Welcome to the Paradigms and Perspective Podcast. I am your host, Joe Simmons, and on this podcast, we talk about paradigms and perspectives and how people can achieve different results just by changing their paradigm and their perspectives. Let's get started with today's episode. Today's episode is going to be very interesting and very insightful. Today we're going to be talking about unlocking your mind. And this is based on an interview that Jay Shetty had with Dr. Joe Dispenza in regards to unlocking your mind so that you can get the results that you want in your life. So let's get right to it. First thing first, Dr. Joe Dispenza says that every time we have a thought, we make a new chemical. That's right. Every time we make a thought, we make a new chemical. Now, I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but our brain is ran on chemicals. And this is where neuroscience comes into place. Now, there are five major chemicals that operate our brain. The first is dopamine. The second one is serotonin. The third one is oxytocin. And the fourth one is endorphins. So let's go over each of the new chemicals that regulate our brain when we have a new thought. First up, the most common one. Everybody or a lot of people know about dopamine. Dopamine is a pleasure hormone or is is a pleasure chemical. It also regulates our movement and it also regulates our motivation. So a lot of times when you see people in which if they're out shopping or if they're doing things that are always pleasurable for them, but it's not always great for them, it's usually because they're getting a dopamine rush uh, from that experience. That could be rather, you know, you can see men and you can see women and women uh, involved and engage themselves in relationships that are not conducive to them in the long term. But the reason why they stay is because they're getting some type of dopamine or they're getting some type of pleasure. Or they may just stay for loyalty purposes. But usually they're getting some type of pleasure in those toxic or in those unproductive relationships. It's the same thing with your health, with your nutrition. You're eating things that's not necessarily good for you. But you get dopamine because they're sweet and they're high in sugars and they're high in fructose and high in glucose. But it's not best for you long term. Or motivation. If you do something that you really like, you get a dopamine hit from it, um, you're gonna you're gonna do it. But also it's the opposite effect too. If your dopamine is low, your motivation is low. So sometimes you could not be in the mood to do certain things or you could just be having a rough time or you know, life is just beating you up right now. That's usually because your dopamine is low at the moment. Next up, serotonin. Serotonin is another uh, satisfaction chemical uh, similar to dopamine. But this regulates sleep, this regulates appetite, and it also regulates your mood. So when, you're, uh, when your serotonin levels 
need to be regulated. This also depends on when you get sleepy. Your serotonin levels are the highest in which it keeps you up. When your serotonin levels are low, that's when you get sleepy. That's when it's time to go to sleep. Then you got also to uh, your appetite. Once again, if your serotonin levels are out of balance, yeah, you won't necessarily have a need for an appetite, which we know uh, you need nutrition to function uh, with the body. And then your mood, too, your, you know, serotonin can effective, effectively uh, affect your mood for the positive or for the negative. Then you also have the... Uh, well, then you also have, in conjunction with that, which is a bonus, you have melatonin. Uh, melatonin is also the main hormone for sleep. So, melatonin can make you go to sleep faster. So, if you take melatonin or you get an increase of melatonin in your bloodstream, that'll put you to sleep uh, faster. Next up is oxytocin. So oxytocin produces feelings of love and connection. So this is also uh, when you share things with people, you know, there's a release of oxytocin. Or when you do things with people, there's a level of oxytocin. So whether it's in a romantic relationship or if it's at work with your coworkers, you know, when you guys consistently do things together and you collaborate and you uh you also build that continuity at work, oxytocin is being released uh, uh with that person. And then you also have uh endorphins. So endorphins they trigger uh positive feelings uh when you do something you enjoy. So usually anytime there's something that you enjoy, kinda of going back to dopamine and uh also serotonin. Those are the, those are that those positive feelings are coming from endorphins. So these could be things such as if you enjoy sex, or if you enjoy laughing, or if you enjoy exercising. Anything that triggers positive feelings, you're having endorphins being released, and those are new chemicals that are being released in your mind. So, getting back to Joe, Doctor Joe Dispenser's original point. Every time we think. We create a new chemical, a new chemical being released. So, some of our thoughts are producing dopamine. Some of our thoughts are producing serotonin. Some of our thoughts are producing oxytocin. And some of our thoughts are producing endorphins. And that's either in the hypo or also in the hyper. I'll say that again. Sometimes those thoughts produce hyper. And sometimes they produce hypo. Hypo, hypo is low levels of the chemical. Hyper mm -hmm. is high levels of the chemical. So if you have hypo dopamine, that means your dopamine is low. If you have hyper dopamine, that means your dopamine is high. So now that you know which chemicals are released when you have a new thought, you might be asking yourself, okay, Joe, well, how do I maximize these chemicals? How do I get more of these chemicals uh, in my bloodstream or in my body?
I'm glad you asked. Uh, there's five ways that you can maximize these chemicals, according to uh, Dr. Joe Dispenser. Number one, nutrition. We always say you are what you eat, and nutrition is a huge and huge important factor to becoming who we are. So, you want to get more dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and endorphins, you have to get good nutrition. That is what keeps the body going. That's the key. that's what keeps the body in maintenance. That's what keeps it operating at a high level. You have to get good nutrition. Two, exercise. Yes, that's right. Exercise. Even if it's low impact exercise, but you have to keep the body going. And exercise is a great way to maximize these chemicals. You have to keep going. Like I said, you don't have to be a bodybuilder. You don't have to be a world-class athlete. But you need to get proper doses of exercise. At least three times a week you should exercise. And even if you don't do nothing but go walk for 30 minutes, doing those three times a week. I mean, if you can get strength training and if you get some cardio in there, cool, that's great. But at the bare minimum, you should at least walk for 30 minutes three times a week if you don't do nothing else or if you don't have no other time. Next, three, uh, meditation. Yes, that's right, meditation. Meditation is very important. I always say this, and I'm keep saying this. The body works best when it's relaxed. And meditation is one of those practices that keeps the body and the brain relaxed. So, the more you meditate, the more chemicals you will get, the better you will feel. Because, like I said, everything needs a rest. The sun takes a break. The moon takes a break. Your body needs to take a break. And your mind needs to take a break. And when you meditate, you can achieve that. So, meditation. Four. Do simple tasks that you enjoy or that are easy to accomplish. I'll say that one more time. Number four. Do simple tasks that you enjoy or that are easy to accomplish. This definitely helps out with the dopamine because it's a low barrier to entry. When it's a low barrier to entry and, you, and it's easy to do, you'll continue to keep doing more easy things which will allow you to build a momentum, which will allow you to get more releases of these chemicals in your brain. And then number five, uh, give compliments. This also goes... This ties right into oxytocin. And this also ties right into endorphins. Give compliments. You know, help somebody may be going through something rough. They may be having a hard time. But by you giving them a compliment, that's going to increase their oxytocin level. Not only that, that's also going to make you more likable. That's going to make you more influential. That's going to make you more charismatic. People want to be around you more. Which... When they want to allow you more, they will give you access to their networks. And when then you get access to their network, you can achieve your goals. And then now you can get the law of reciprocity going. So, quick recap. The five ways to maximize chemicals in your brain and in your body. Number one, great nutrition. Number two, exercise. Number three, medication. 
not medication, meditation, correction, meditation. Number four, simple tasks that you enjoy or that are easy to accomplish. And number five, giving compliments. Unlimited thoughts makes you feel unlimited. I'll say that one more time. Unlimited thoughts make you feel unlimited. So when you have a high conscious or a high identity of self, or this goes back to what I talk about with the paradigm. So if you have an abundant paradigm, you feel unlimited. You don't feel like things are outside of your control. And if you don't have the competency, you can get access to somebody that does mm-hmm. have the competency to help you achieve your goal. But yeah, you know, like they say, you know, change your mind, change your life. And everything starts with a thought. But, like I said, and this is something that uh, is upcoming with Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about, but you have to be conscious first. In order for you to be conscious, you know, you have to really think outside that normal paradigm, outside of that survival paradigm. Because once you become conscious, and then you level up from consciousness to cognition, that's when the world really gets uh, enjoyable. And this is really where you can have these unlimited thoughts on autopilot. But first, you you know, you have to be conscious. So I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but I'll talk more about that upcoming in in a later episode. But for right now, just remember, unlimited thoughts make you feel unlimited. And when you feel unlimited, you achieve more of your goals because you have a high level of confidence which will help you to develop that competence. Now, we can't talk about unlimited thoughts without talking about the inverse or the opposite side of the coin which is self-deprecating thoughts make you feel unworthy. I'll say that again. Self-deprecating thoughts make you feel unworthy. So just like unlimited thoughts make you feel unlimited, now self-deprecating thoughts can make you feel unworthy. How so? I'm going to get right into it. So when you have these self-deprecating thoughts, that means that more likely going back to the chemicals. So when you have these self-deprecating thoughts, more likely your dopamine is low. Your serotonin is low. Yeah, which will put you to sleep. So you're definitely not going to be productive. Your oxytocin is going to be low. So you're not going to be around people to help you achieve your dreams and goals. And your endorphins are going to be low. Which is going to mean you're very miserable. You're going to probably be an angry person. You're probably not going to be somebody that somebody wants to be around. But for this context, that was just showing how it relates to the chemicals. But for this context, when your self-deprecating thoughts make you feel unworthy, your mindset goes down. So you don't have a great mindset. Well, when you, you don't have a great mindset, your courage goes down. So you're less likely to want to take risks. You're less likely to want to do things in general. Well, when your courage is low, now your confidence is going to be low because you're going to anticipate, well, why should I try? 
because it has been going well for me right now, so why should I try? So once again, your mindset is low. That means your courage is going to be low. You're not going to say you're not going to want to try things. Your confidence is going, which is going to reinforce your confidence in being, well, we try these things, so it's not working, so let's just continue to, let's just try to get through life. When your confidence is low, your confidence is low. So you're not going to be able to be good at things. And once your competence is low, your results are going to be low. And once your results are low, once again, like I said, it's going to lead to low levels of dopamine and you're going to have more cortisol. So you're going to be completely out of balance. And when your dopamine is low and your cortisol is high, you're stressed out. You're going to have way more stress. Your life is going to be way more un- unpleasurable. And too much cortisol can definitely damage your health severely. It could actually potentially lead you to you being hospitalized. So, recap, low mindset leads to low courage. Low courage leads to low confidence. Low confidence leads to low competence. Low competence leads to low results. Low results lead to low lifestyle. Low lifestyle is because of low levels of dopamine, but high levels of cortisol. Which leads to ultimately stress and an unfulfilled life. In the information age, ignorance is a choice. That's right. Dr. Joe Dispenser said, in the information age, or as he put it, the age of information, ignorance is a choice. And I totally agree with him on that. This also goes back to the quote that I heard from the great business philosopher, the legend, uh, the late great Jim Rohn, who said the same thing. If you think knowledge is expensive, you should see the price for ignorance. I'll say that one more time. If you think knowledge is expensive, you should see the price for ignorance and it's so true we have stuff at our fingertips you know if you have access to the internet or if you have a smartphone whatsoever we're inundated with information we can find almost anything we want to but once again we choose not to that is the difference so why did he say ignorance these are some things that came to mind when he when he said ignorance. Uh, number one, sacrifice. You have to be willing to make a sacrifice for what you want. Uh, there's no getting around it. You have to sacrifice your time in order to get the information that you seek. You know, like I said, there, there's just nowhere around that. Uh, the second thing is discipline. You have to discipline yourself to seek out this information or to seek out this knowledge. This is exactly what I talk about in Mad Money 
And this is exactly what I'm talking about, the updated version in Mad Money 2.0 that I'm talking about. Uh, and expanding it going a little bit further than I did in the first version about principle number one to achieving money or to achieving dreams is knowledge. Well, you have to be disciplined to do that. And this goes hand in hand with my third point that I was thinking about, which is the schedule. You have to schedule times that you're going to go out and seek this information, that you're going to go out and seek this knowledge. You know, we have such a finite amount of time in life in general and in the, and in the day as well. You know, you got 24 hours. But technically, if you're talking about from a scientific standpoint, it's 23 hours and 56 minutes. But we round those four hours, I mean, those four minutes to the next hour. But yes, you have 24 hours. And it's estimated that most people sleep eight hours. So now you got 16 hours to be productive and to use for whatever it is that you see fit. And getting information and getting that knowledge should be one of those things. Um, this is also another reason why things like, you know, podcasts or things that you can listen to in the background is so important. Where you can be doing two things at once. You know, you could you, you know, you keep you could be you could be unconscious. You know, you could be going to the gym but listening to your favorite podcast. You could be driving but listening to your favorite podcast. So you could be doing, you know, different things. And you can, you know, because you can be more efficient as well with scheduling. And then last, which is the most important, accountability. You know, when you're seeking out information, when you're seeking knowledge, you holding yourself accountable. And saying, hey, look, you know what? I'm sacrificing, I'm disciplining myself, and I put this on my schedule, okay, cool, that's all so that this can hold me accountable, so that I can't get the information, so that I can't get the knowledge, so that I can help develop a strategy, so that I can execute to get the results that I want. Now, sometimes when you execute on the first try, it won't work, you know, you have to just make adjustments. But you'll be further along than most people. This got me thinking about information and being ignorance when it comes to health. We all know that a lot of people are ignorant about health because of accountability and delayed gratification. A lot of people know that they can improve their health, but they don't want to be held accountable. They don't like being told what to do. Or they don't like being told the way they should do it. So that accountability, some people just, for some people, accountability is like kryptonite. They just don't want it. They have this identity, have this mindset that they're reporting to somebody, whatever the case may be. I love accountability, and I love accountability partners. It actually helps me get more things done when I have accountability. Because I, I don't like, you know, letting people down. So I think accountability is great. Then, too, delayed gratification. Because when you're 
investing in your health, it's a delayed journey. Sometimes when you're doing things for your health, it don't show up immediately. And we live in this microwave society where we want everything fast. But we want instant gratification instead of delayed gratification. You know? We want a great lifestyle instead of longevity. So, yes, when it comes to health, those are the two main reasons why a lot of people are ignorant when it comes to health. Uh, when it comes to wealth, it goes back to, number one, sacrifice. In order for you to build wealth, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go on a sacrifice. You know, time for opportunities that will, you know, lead you to, um, wealth. There might be times when you can't go outside, or you can't do things that you want to have fun, or your family, your friends, and they're doing things, and they are having a great time. They live in their life, and you're looking like you, sometimes you just got to stay in and work. Or you're going to have to stay in and take advantage of opportunities. Or you may have to, you know, fly somewhere to handle a business deal. And then the second thing is discipline. In order for you to become wealthy and to stay wealthy, you have to be disciplined. As uh, Jocko Willick, uh, Navy SEAL instructor and veteran said, Discipline equals freedom. That's right. Discipline equals freedom. And freedom is a part of wealth. But you can't be doing what everybody else is doing. Once again, you got a schedule as well. And then in relationships, a lot of people are ignorant about relationships in which they lack self-awareness. They don't understand like, who they are, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. They lack self-awareness when it comes to relationships. But not only that, they don't understand reciprocity and they don't understand value. Or some people don't even want it to be reciprocal. They just want to take. They just want to take, 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 take. And that's why they struggle in their relationships. And that's why they're ignorant in their relationships. So, recap. In the age of information, ignorance is a choice. And it's because people are not willing to sacrifice. They're not willing to be disciplined. Either they don't have a schedule or they're not or they don't have an effective schedule and they don't believe or they don't embrace accountability. Thoughts are the language of the brain. Feelings are the language of the body. I'll say that again. Thoughts are the language of the brain. Feelings are the language of the body. So basically, your brain impacts your body. Which is what I always say. A relaxed brain produces a relaxed body. Which increases productivity and performance. But what's the really 
underlining insight when Dr. Joe Dispenser said that thoughts are the language of the brain and feelings are the language of the body. And as we all know, language is a communication tool in order to evoke or to produce a certain feeling or emotion or result. But this is why I say that this is why paradigms and paradigm shifts are so important when he mentioned that thoughts are the language of the brain and feelings of the body and the brain controls the body. Well, what controls the brain? The paradigm controls the brain. And the paradigm shift is what allows you to experience a different lifestyle as compared to your survival paradigm, which is the default, which is just trying to keep you alive. At the end of the day, as the great motivation speaker, Dr. Billy Osbrooks always says, who do you want to be? That's right. Who do you want to be? And your paradigm and your paradigm shifts controls your identity. Well, your identity controls your intention. Your intention provides your journey. And your journey then provides communication about your life experience. I'll say that again. The paradigm and the paradigm shift controls and impacts the identity. Your identity provides your intention. Your intention provides the journey that you want to set out on. And your journey will provide your life experience. So, in short, identity. That's something that you really need to focus on. Because your results will only be in alignment with your identity. Also, too, special shout out to uh, serial entrepreneur uh, Patrick David. He always says that your ambition and your actions need to be in alignment. Same thing as serial entrepreneur uh, Gary Vaynerchuk says the same thing. Your actions and your ambitions need to be in alignment. But in order, but your ambition is tied to your identity. So it is. Who do you want to be? So, from a health standpoint, if you somebody, if if you somebody that wants to be very healthy, that's your identity. Your identity is okay. I have good nutrition, I have good exercise, and I have good sleep. And I keep my stress down. That's your identity as somebody that wants to be healthy. Versus vice versa. Well, if I could get health, then it's, it's, if I get that, great. But if I don't, I'm not going to stress myself. Nutrition, eh, I eat what I can get my hands on. Exercise, I do it when I feel like it. Sleep, I just go to sleep when I'm tired. If I'm tired on Monday, I go to sleep. If Tuesday I want to stay up, then I stay up. Meanwhile, putting your biorhythms all out of whack. But that goes back to your identity. 
same thing for wealth. If your identity is, okay, I'm a millionaire, okay? So if you're a millionaire, you're trying to find ways to increase your income, decrease your expenses, or maintain your expenses, decrease your, your debt, manage credit, you're trying to save more money, and you're trying to increase your investments or your assets. That's if your identity was a millionaire. If your identity is not a millionaire, if you're a regular person, uh, I do need to make more income, so let me just, you know, become a jack of all trades. That's not that bad. I'll pay it off when I get to it. Expenses, I want more stuff, so let me go out and buy more stuff. Let me go out and get put everything on credit. Savings, uh, YOLO, man. You only live once. Investments, well, I don't know how to invest. Nobody never really taught me. I don't know what it looks, so, oh, well, I guess it's just not in the cards for me. That goes back to identity. Relationships. Oh, okay. Let me see what I can get out of these people. Gimme, 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 gimme. Versus, okay, cool. How can I add value to this person? And what is their reciprocal value to me? Meaning, I'm adding value to this person, but when the last time they reciprocated to me? When the last time they showed that they appreciate me? When the last time they wanted a way to add value to me? Difference of identity. So, identity leads to intention. Intention leads to your journey. And your journey will produce your life experience. Think and feel creates our state of being. That's right. Think and feel creates our state of being. So, when you think something, and then you feel it, that determines what state you're in. So, if you're thinking positive, and you're feeling good, your state of being is good. If you have a negative thoughts and you're not really feeling well, you're not going to be in a great state of being, or we'll say you're in a low vibration. But thinking is based on two things. Thinking is based on your paradigm and your conditioning. That's right. Thinking is based on your paradigm and your conditioning. Like I've said repeatedly on this podcast, your survival paradigm is your default. And the only way you change your default is you have to have a paradigm shift. But a lot of people are still quote-unquote sleep. Which means that they haven't had that paradigm shift, which is going to wake them up. And sometimes they don't wake up until it's too late. So, you want to try to have your paradigm shift as early as possible. Like me, I'm glad that I had my first paradigm shift at 17. But not at 37 or not at 40. Now, if you have your first paradigm shift at 40, that doesn't mean that you know, you still can't do great things. 
You can have your first paradigm shift at 50 or even 60. Or even after 60. But just know that the sooner you have your paradigm, the sooner you get to achieving more dreams and goals. And then the second thing is conditioning. A.K.A. the environment that continues to reinforce or, to, or that reconditions that paradigm. And most conditioning comes from what you see and what you hear. That's 80% of conditioning. I'll say it again. 80% of conditioning is what we see and what we hear. So this is why they always say you have to guard your eyes and you have to guard your ears. Because that's going to continue to condition you. Which is based on the paradigm that you may have. So like I said, so the survival paradigm is the default paradigm. But you may actually have a negative paradigm shift. In which you get into the fear paradigm. Where, where you're free, everything is fearful. You're afraid of loss. And you feel like, well, if you lost, that means you can't catch up. That means that you will never, ever get to where you need to be. And that's not true. But the sooner you have a paradigm shift, the better your life will be. And then once you do have that paradigm shift, continue to condition that paradigm. So, for example, if your paradigm is, well, we'll, we'll go all, I'll use all of the big three. Health, right? If your survival paradigm is, okay, I just need to maintain my body to survive, right? But if you want to get in shape, if you start hanging around people that are in shape and that's very health conscious, you're going to have a paradigm shift. They're going to influence you to have a paradigm shift. You know? You're, you're a poly... You'll probably raise your paradigm to risk and reward or abundant. And when you do that and you continue to keep hanging around them and you continue to keep seeing what they're doing and keep hearing what they and hearing what they say, you're gonna condition that paradigm to where you won't want to go back to that survival or that fear paradigm. Now you're gonna stay with risk and reward. Or now you're going to want to stay with the abundance paradigm because now you're conditioned because you're continually around these people. It's the same thing with wealth. If you hang around millionaires, if you study billionaires, and you continually watching what they're doing, you continually listening to them, you're going to have a paradigm shift. And more than likely, with execution and a great strategy, your wealth is going to increase. It's the same thing with relationships. If you're around somebody that's always positive, that's always giving, that's always helpful, that's charismatic, that's great to be around, your paradigm shift is going to change. You're going, some of that energy is going to run. Energy is contagious. It's going to rub off on you. And you're going to be more enjoyable to be around. You're going to be more pleasant. So that's going to help you with your conditioning. So, to recap with this segment, think 
and feel creates your state of being. And your thinking is based on two things. It's based on your paradigm and it's based on your conditioning. And majority of your conditioning, 80%, comes from what we see. And it comes from what we hear. As in the intro, we talked about the good chemicals and the good hormones. Now it's time to talk about the stress hormones and the not-so-good chemicals that go along with the brain. But as Dr. Joe Dispenza said, your thoughts are based on your stress hormones. With the paradigm shift and conditioning. So, as I was mentioning earlier about the survival paradigm, the one that you're born with at birth, which is the default, the, the brain and the paradigm's number one focus and priority is survival. It's to keep you alive. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. It's just to keep you alive. That's what the survival paradigm does. But, like I said, our thoughts are based on our stress hormones. Which means that, and this is what, uh, and this, uh, and that's why I said with a paradigm shift and with conditioning, and that being a negative paradigm shift, which is what I said earlier, which goes back to the fear paradigm, which is a negative paradigm shift. So instead of you shifting up to a limited paradigm or to a rest and reward paradigm or even to an abundant paradigm, you shift down to a fear paradigm. But how does this affect the stress hormones? Great question. Well, the first hormone that gets impacted or triggered is adrenaline. This is your fight or flight stress hormone. And it's responsible for immediate reactions when, you, when you're stressed out. Which leads to an increase in heart rate and a surge of energy. Because you need that energy based on that survival and that fear paradigm to keep you alive. So that's why you get that surge of energy because the body's like, hey, we have to keep you alive. We have to keep you going. So, boom, let's kick adrenaline in so that we can, you know, stay alive and we can continue to survive. Then you have uh, norepinephrine, which is similar to adrenaline. But norepinephrine makes you more aware of what's going on. It makes you more awake. It makes you more focused. Which allows you to be more responsive. So not only do you have adrenaline kicking in. But now you have norepinephrine kicking in. Which takes it to the next level. So not only is our heart rate increased. And our sense of energy is up. Now we're extremely careful. We're extremely alert. Making sure, trying to make sure we don't miss no important details. 
and adrenaline and norepinephrine are backup systems to the adrenal glands, which produce the hormones that regulate the body. You know? So, in the event that the adrenal glands were to go down, or something was to happen to them, or they were to get damaged or whatever, adrenaline and norepinephrine will kick in as backup to make sure that you can protect yourself and that you can survive. Then you have my favorite hormone or chemical to talk about, which is cortisol. And cortisol is the primary stress hormone. And this is something that would, and cortisol is also a stress trigger. But what people don't understand is, is that constant focus on a problem or on a challenge, you continue to release cortisol. I'm going to say that one more time. When there's constant focus on a problem or on a challenge, you continually release cortisol, which is what I call cortisol chaos. Because those multiple mm. releases of cortisol, it's going to start to spiral out of control. You're going to have higher and larger quantities of cortisol in your bloodstream, your hormones. And stuff are going to be out of balance. Which is going to negatively affect you. In the following ways. Number one. A high increase in cortisol. Will, help, will produce a suppressed immune system. So you're, so because you, you have so much cortisol in your system. Your immune system is not going to be an optimal performance. Or peak performance. So it won't be able to protect you against illness and viruses and bacteria and germs and stuff like that. It's because there's, there's too much cortisol in the, uh, in your bloodstream. Which is not allowing the adrenal glands to produce other hormones that's supposed to help you fight off bacteria, help you fight off illness. Another thing is too, increased levels of cortisol produces an increase in blood pressure and an increase in sugar. When your cortisol goes up, you increase your blood pressure and your sugar goes up. Well, when that happens, you're usually on a lot, of, you usually got to go to the doctor more so that's going to be more medical expenses. And you potentially might be put on medication. And you might even have to participate in certain treatment plans. Another increase in cortisol produces a decreased libido. Or aka sex drive. Or aka the motivation to want to be intimate with a partner. Sex can sex and intimacy can be a great outlet 
and a great experience, a part of the overall human experience. But if your cortisol is high, your, your libido is going to go down. So because you're stressed out, your libido is going to go down. You're not, you're not even going to want to be romantic with a partner. You're not going to want to be intimate with a partner. Uh, because of, you know, multiple or an increase in cortisol in your bloodstream. Not only that, high levels of cortisol also produce acne. You start getting acne on your face. You know, a lot of us are self-conscious about how we look. So, a great way to reduce the acne is to reduce the cortisol. And lastly, one of the biggest uh, factors when it comes to an uh, increase in cortisol is obesity. Cortisol, when you have high levels of cortisol, and when you eat and you don't exercise, you have a higher probability of becoming obese. And um, in the United States of America, we have the highest obesity rate in the world. And that's because we're extremely stressed out. We don't have nutritious meals and we don't exercise. And then we also, we don't sleep as well. So we're not improving our chances. So, quick recap on this segment. Your thoughts are based on your stress hormones. With the paradigm shift and with conditioning, you have the adrenaline stress hormone, which is fight or flight, responsible for your immediate reactions when you're stressed out. Produces an increased heart rate. Which gives you more energy. You have norepinephrine. Which makes you more aware. And more focused. And more responsive. And then you have. Um, cortisol. Which. The negative effects of too much cortisol are. You have a suppressed immune system. You have an increase in blood sugar. And blood pressure. You have a decreased libido. Your face and your body produces more acne. And high levels of cortisol increases your probability of obesity. The brain is a record of the past. That was so succinct and so profound by Dr. Dr. Joe Dispenser. The brain is a record of the past. Now, we have to use the present to create a past. Your future would be proud of and would be motivated by. I'll say that again. Dr. Joe Dispenser says that we need to use the present 
to create a past our future would be proud of and motivated by. So, let's backtrack. Let's go back into your history. Your current self or your future self, if they was to go back or if you was to go back and look at your past, is your past something that you're proud of? And is your past something that motivates you currently in your present to produce a better future? I'll say that part one more time. If we were to go back in your past, are you motivated by your, does your past motivate your present to produce a better future? And that's something that need, we need to work on. Now, granted, everybody doesn't have a great past, but you can always rewrite your history. And you can always have your history update itself just like a computer. So let's say, for example, you're 30 years old for this context, right? And let's say from 0 to 18, your past wasn't that good, right? 0 to 18, you didn't have a good past. But from 18 to 30, has gotten better. What you need to focus on is what you're motivated by, what you're proud of, which is the 18 to 30. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not lessons in 0 to 18, but you shouldn't put a lot of focus and emphasis on 0 to 18. You need to focus on 18 to 30. So that you can make 30 to 40 the best that you've had, the best experiences you've had so far. You want to try to improve. But like I said, you also want to upgrade your history. Because if you don't upgrade your history, there's also going to come a time when you're going to run out of time. And if your past is not something that you could be proud of, or if your past is not something that you're motivated by, goes back to what I talked about earlier, something about um, identity and intention and journey and experience. Which is also what I always talk about on this podcast, which is that it really, at the end of the day, it affects your ambition. And like I said, your ambition is the fuel. That's the gas. That's the currency that you need to achieve your dreams and goals. You need ambition. And if you don't have an ambition or quote-unquote gas in the tank, you won't get to that destination. You won't get to that journey because your ambition is low or your gas is low. Just like if you was in a car. If you're in a car and you run out of gas before you get to your destination, 
it wasn't enough. It's the same thing with your dreams and your goals. You got to have enough ambition. You have to have enough inspiration. You got to have enough motivation. And sometimes you got to have aspiration. The aim. Aspiration, inspiration, and motivation. Now some people are just self-motivated. That's great. Some of us need inspiration. And some of us need aspiration. Some of us need a combination of all three. But at least get one of those three. You don't have to get all of them. Of course, if you have all of them in alignment, you know that, that helps out with your ambition, which will give you the most amount of gas in your tank. But that's what you need. So remember, use the present to create a past that your future can be proud of and motivated by. People wake up thinking about their problems or their challenges. Problems or challenges lead to anxiety and fear, activating and enabling the stress hormones that I recently just talked about. So this is why when you wake up in the morning, the first thing that you focus on is so important because that sets the tempo for the day. That day sets the tempo for the week. That week sets the tempo for the month. That month sets the tempo for the quarter. That quarter sets the tempo for the, the year. The year sets the tempo for the decade. And then the, the decade sets the tempo for your life. But once again, you're waking up with problems and challenges. More than likely, cortisol is going to be released. And I've already gave you the downsides of cortisol. Then you're going to have norepinephrine being released. And you're going to have adrenaline being released. And I said it already, probably twice already, but I'm going to say it again. On this, just on this podcast episode alone. The body works best when it's in a relaxed state. In order for the body to be in a relaxed state, the mind and the brain has to be in a relaxed state. And by you waking up and thinking about your problems and your challenges, that is not putting the brain and the body in a relaxed state. That's just leading to more anxiety, fear, depression, which leads to another stress trigger, overthinking. you overthinking it. Analysis paralysis. You're thinking too much. You're too much in your head. That's why they say sometimes the worst damage is the centimeters we have between our left earlobe and our right earlobe. Yeah, the six. The, yeah, the six inches. The six inches we got between our left earlobe and our right earlobe it does the most damage for us. We defeat ourselves. So this is why it's important to be careful, what to be cognizant of what you focus on, especially when you wake up. This goes back into the law of attraction. So you wake up with problems and challenges, you're going to attract more problems and challenges. 
Now, that's not to say that life is peaches and cream and everything is always going to be great. But if you wake up with gratitude and appreciation for life, life will give you more opportunities for gratitude and appreciation. Not problems and challenges. So, just be very careful of what you focus on when you get up. Focus on opportunities and not obstacles. Past programming leads to automaticity habits where the body starts to influence the mind. Mismanaged can lead to unpleasurable experience. So this is once again, this is where I talked about the importance of thinking and feeling creates the state of being. And when I talked about paradigms and conditioning, this is this is exactly why this is so important. And why you need to have that paradigm shift. Because otherwise, as Dr. Joe Dispenser said, your past program is going to lead to automaticity. Which keeps you unconscious. And like I said, I know I said this before, and I won't try not to mention this again, but that's in the upcoming segments about consciousness and unconsciousness. But because we're creatures of habit and we develop automaticity by doing the same things over and over and over, we're programming ourselves to where the body influences the, the brain instead of the brain influencing the body. Because once you do so many things over and over and you have these habits, the brain kind of shuts down. And the body says, okay, well, you know what? We're taking over from here. We don't see anything changing. We've been doing the same thing, the same routines, the same habits. This is why they say we're creatures of habit. And according to um, leadership expert uh, Robert Sharma, we develop autom automaticity at 66 days. So after you do something for 66 days continually, you develop automaticity. You develop those habits. So like I said, so the brain set, the body steps in and tells the brain, hold up, stop. We got it from here. Just be on standby. If we, if we run in trouble, we'll call you. But for right now, we're going to, we, we got this. And just like there's positive automaticity habits, there's also negative automaticity habits. Now, like he says, if it's mismanaged, it can lead to unpleasurable experiences. So, if you're not getting the right nutrition, you might be getting migraines and you might not, you know, you might be nutrient deficient. Well, if you're spending money, you're not making more money. Now you're going broke. Now you have, you know, you one expense away from being homeless or you one expense away from filing for bankruptcy. Relationships. You know, you don't, you're bad at communication. That's one less relationship in your life, which could potentially affect your overall happiness and fulfillment in life.
you know, if you're bad at communication, then your charisma decreases. People not want to go to be around you as much as often. Now you're going to spend even more time by yourself and to yourself. So, you got to be careful of these past programming, these automaticity habits. Because if not, your body can take over your brain. And now you can have an all-out civil war. And hopefully your brain will be able to defeat your body in that civil war. But prevention is better than cure. So hopefully you can avoid negative automaticity habits. If not, then hopefully you either have the consciousness, which will lead you to the cognition, or you can go out and seek the necessary help to get you back on track. Victim mentality leads to a lack of accountability to blame others for your current challenges and lifestyle. I'll say that again. The victim mentality leads to a lack of accountability to blame others for your current challenges and lifestyle. This segment is going to be short and sweet. You can't be a victim and you can't be victorious at the same time. It's either one or the other. But a lot of people make a mistake. The longer you remain a victim, the longer you can improve your situation, improve your life, your lifestyle. But it sounds goes back to accountability. But the reason why a lot of people don't take account of it is because of pride, ego, and selfishness. They're too prideful. The ego is too strong. And they're selfish in regards to not taking credit for what's currently going on in their life. It's somebody else's fault. But that's a lot of times because they want to be perfect. They want everything to go a certain way. Then when it don't go their way, they act like a toddler. And cry and whine about why they're not getting what they want. This goes back to some new work that I'm working on. Why I say that the number one reason why most people don't achieve their goals is entitlement. And when you're a victim, you feel entitled to the lack of accountability. I'm going to say that one more time. When you have a victim mentality or you play the victim, you're entitled to a lack of accountability. Accountability is magical. There's power in accountability. But this also goes back to what I talked about in a previous podcast episode. Why do people don't want to take accountability? Why do they feel entitled? It comes down to, like I said, it comes down to the two two big things. They either are, well, the, the, the three, the big three eyes. They're either insecure 
they either feel inadequate or they're incompetent regarding something. So I'll say that again. They're either insecure, they either feel inadequate, or there's some incompetency. Well, it could be a combination of all three. But a lot of people don't want to take accountability. But the sooner you get rid of the entitlement, and the sooner you get rid of the lack of accountability, the better and the faster your life will improve. Accept, believe, surrender. I'll say that again. Accept, believe, surrender. Dr. Joe Dispenser says that to a thought without analyzing it, it slips by and programs the automatic nervous system to a pharmacy of chemicals. So this is also where decision making comes in at. In your cerebral and your prefrontal cortexes. If you let a thought just slip through your mind without analyzing it, it's going to program your autonomic nervous system, which is going to produce the corresponding chemicals. So you may say, Joe, okay, what exactly does that mean? Okay, this is what it means. If you're very impressionable, so to speak, and people just tell you things, and you don't analyze it, or if you don't use consciousness or cognition, then you're going to program yourself. Let's go back to the big three, health. If somebody tells you, oh man, I don't even worry about nutrition, man, I just eat whatever I want. Look at me, I'm healthy. And it slips right through your brain and you're like, okay, well, John said it was okay. Look at John. John must be doing well. Like you don't analyze it. Then it programs you. Then you're like, okay, well, then you start eating whatever you want, whenever you feel like it. You know? Wealth. Especially when it comes to debt and not managing finances. Or especially credit cards. Yeah, man, don't worry about it, man. We just swipe, man. We'll pay it back later. Don't even worry about it. What about the interest? Don't worry about the interest. You, man, you'll be able to pay that back. No problem. No sweat. Now you worry about and you do the same thing. Relationships. You promised that you was going to be there for somebody or you promised that you was going to help somebody. You already had a pre-engagement. Somebody comes to you, hey, man, let's go do this. Oh, I can't. I have this pre-arrange. Come on, man. You can just cancel with them, man. You can just, um, I'm only in town, you know, for, for the next two days, man. You can always reschedule with them. They'll be all right. Then what happened? You listen to John. You reschedule. You wind up ruining that relationship. Because you didn't fully analyze it. You let it slip right through you. Your autonomic nervous system. This is why it's not so good to be just so impressionable. Now yeah, people may have good ideas. And they may sound good. But okay, alright, let's stress test it. Let's put it through the ringer. You know? Not to continue to self-promote, but that's what I did with Mad Money. When I was going to write the book, 
which I'll talk about now and give a more backstory in in uh in 2.0. I'll talk about it. I had a BNS stress test. I'm like, ah. Uh, I didn't just let it slip to my, oh, okay, let me just start writing. No. I analyzed it. Okay, if I'm going to do it, boom. This is what it needs to check out. And it checked out, and I wrote it. Even me now doing 2.0, I had to analyze that to see if I wanted to do a second one. So, yes. Accept, believe, and surrender. But just make sure you're using, you know, your brain, your conscious mind. Think about things. Because it's easy to slip into the unconscious. And then you wind up paying for it later. And you're wishing you could have gone back and did things differently. So, just choose wisely and try to just be very thoughtful about the decisions that you make. That affect your current or your present and your future. This segment here is going to be really good. Dr. Joe says that you need to be conscious about your unconscious. I'll say that one more time. You need to be conscious about your unconscious. Meaning that you have a awareness about your self-behaviors and habits. I'm going to say that again. You have an awareness about your self-behaviors and your habits. So, to put it all together, he says, you want to be conscious about your unconscious. That's the first step to change. That's the first step. Why? Because you're now outside of the program or the paradigm, which is unconscious based on repetition. Meaning that this goes back to the the paradigm and what he's basically saying is this the survival paradigm and if you downgrade you have a fear paradigm so you have to be conscious of, about your unconscious so basically if you're not conscious about your survival paradigm that you know that you need to make a paradigm shift and actually make that paradigm shift it's going to be on repetition. This is why you need to have that paradigm shift. Because that paradigm shift will enlighten you. And say, hold up. Maybe there was something that I was missing. And once you have that paradigm shift, that would make you conscious about your unconscious. Like for me, when I had my first paradigm shift at 17, when I got around them rich white kids, and I started seeing the way they do money. I became conscious about my unconscious. I became aware about my behaviors and my habits. And I'm like, whoa. I'm like, they getting way better results than I am. Then I started researching more. And I started... Uh, and I started learning more. And I started executing more. And then my 
results started to improve. But if I wouldn't have had that paradigm shift, I would have still been stuck on the limited paradigm, which was programmed by my my mother and 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 by my you know authority figures in my life. You know, I was raised with the limited paradigm. It's okay to be average. You don't want to try to do too much. You want to have fun. There's a there's there's limits to things. But they helped me shift up to risk and reward. It was like, hey, look, if you put in this risk and you put in this work and you strategize and you execute, boom, this is what your reward can look like. It was a completely way of different way of doing things and thinking. And it was a completely different paradigm shift. And now, the risk and reward paradigm is what I primarily operate today. Now, like I said, I'm not perfect. I'm human just like everybody else. I have my rough days. And there are days where I slip back down to the limited paradigm. But I can never go back to the survival paradigm. So, so yeah, that's the thing. So you want to be conscious about your unconscious. Finally, the segment that I've been talking about and waiting to get to. The conscious and the unconscious. 95% of the time, we're unconscious and we're conscious 5% of the time, that's the default. So, going back to what I talked about earlier with automaticity and with habits, naturally, also too with the survival paradigm, naturally, we're unconscious 95% of the time, and we're only conscious 5% of the time. Unless we have a catalyst or a paradigm shift that is needed to adjust. So this is also where a lot of people don't understand certain things, so they don't really excel. It's because they're unconscious most of the time. And they're making decisions that are unconscious. You only make the best decisions when you're conscious. I'm going to say that one more time. You only make or you make the best decisions in your life when you're conscious. If you're unconscious, you don't make the best decisions. Now, you can make a decision, but it's not necessarily the best decision when you're unconscious. But this is why the paradigm shift is so important. And I also mentioned that a lot of people are still asleep. And if they do have a paradigm shift, they it's a negative paradigm shift or they downgrade. So like I said, the default is the survival. You have a paradigm shift for life. 
then you become fearful. So you operate in the fear paradigm versus having a paradigm shift and leveling it up to a limited paradigm or even to a risk reward paradigm or even to an abundance paradigm. This is why. Which I didn't know that we were unconscious that much. But as I said, with achievement, and this is a, 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 a sneak peek exclusive of what I call my, uh, I think it's a, like I said, this is a sneak peek into what I call my performance pentagon. This is how all achievement works. Consciousness. Cognition, courage, confidence, and competency. That's how that works. So you have consciousness, you have cognition, you have courage, you have confidence. And you have competency. But most of us, like I said, stay at the consciousness level, which is deeply rooted in unconscious. So that's why. But like he said, but like I talked about in the previous segment, you have to be conscious about your unconsciousness. Once you go from unconscious to conscious, then you can go from consciousness to cognition. You can go to cognition to courage. You go from courage to confidence. You go from confidence to competency. You know, that's how this, that's how this goes, but if your competency is low, your confidence is going to be low, then your courage is going to be low, your cognition is going to be low, and then you're going to be unconscious, not conscious. So, just like he said, conscious about your consciousness is the first step to change. So the first step you need to do is you need to be, you need to go from unconsciousness to consciousness. And then you can worry about getting your way up to cognition, courage, confidence, and competency. Waiting is not created. I'm going to say it again. Waiting is not created. And that was something simple, but something brilliant about Dr. Joe when he said that. And it's true. I'm guilty of this as well. Like I said, we all procrastinate. And a lot of times procrastination comes from stress. And the stress trigger of perfectionism. But we need to really embrace Nike and just do it. 
Because the longer we wait, the less we're creating. And the less we're creating, the longer we're delaying. So, less creation leads to more delaying. So, we just got to start waiting for the perfect time. Not only that, like I always say, life is all about adjustments. It's all about forward progress. So, this is permission to you and to myself to stop waiting and start creating. We've all heard, or at least we should have heard, energy goes where attention flows. It's as simple as that. Wherever you put your energy, that's where your attention is going to go. And that's where your execution is going to flow out of, too. So, energy goes where attention flows. So, make sure you align your attention with intention. So that your energy goes into that. And whatever you put your energy into. And your effort into. And what you execute. That's what's going to flow out of that. You know. So energy goes where attention flows. So if you want to change that. Change your attention and change your intention now great opportunities are always disguised as impossible situations I'll say that again great opportunities are disguised as impossible situations when I look back on my career or even in my life some of the greatest opportunities that I've had Definitely seen out impossible situations. I either didn't know how I was going to get out of that situation or how I was going to resolve that problem or that challenge. But somehow, some way, and me being resourceful, I've always been able to, you know, turn those impossible situations into, you know, great opportunities. So, if it's disguised that way, you gotta have a different perspective on it. Because two people can see the same thing, but a difference in perspective. I have a difference in results as well. This reminds me of in uh, Miramar, Florida. Which is maybe probably 15, 20 minutes from my childhood home. There's this one, um, there's this one office location. Or should I say, there's this one, there's this one real estate building. Let's put it that way. There's this one real estate building that's 10 to 20 minutes from my childhood home. And it's been vacant and it's been abandoned. For years, for years, nobody would even touch it. Nobody wanted to renovate it. Nobody wanted to do anything with it. And I went back a couple of years ago, and I looked at that real estate building or that real estate property, commercial property, should I say, 
and it was all fixed up and from the outside of like a cash flow producing property and I kind of find out that it's owned by an immigrant so I had a conversation with a friend of mine and I was telling her I was like hey did you know that they um, fixed that up and she was like yeah you know some foreigners and some immigrants came over here and they taking up everything and yeah, they bought it in XYZ. And I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What's the problem? Well, they just coming up. No. The real problem is, is that you're mad that a foreigner or immigrant came over here and increased the property value and made it better and turned it into a cash flow property. When a lot of us as Americans seeing that property sit for over a decade nobody wanted to do anything but now that an immigrant or a foreigner comes over here and they make a success and all of a sudden it's a problem when it's been in our backyard and it's been in our face for over 10 years and i had to have the uncomfortable conversation with her because a lot of people do that and it's like what gary v says you know that's one of the advantages of being an immigrant when you come to the United States and it's full of opportunity and where you come from we don't have they don't have opportunity like that and they come over and be successful in 20 years and we're homegrown Americans and we struggle and they come like I said they're coming over here with less resources than we do It's sad. Now, once again, I'm not putting Americans down. And I'm not saying immigrants are better than Americans. But what I'm saying is, is that sometimes immigrants know how to take advantage of opportunities better than homegrown Americans in their own country. That's what I'm saying. And because that commercial building looked like, or that commercial property, it looked like an impossible situation. It really did. So, remember, when everybody else look at an impossible situation, just remember, that's a great opportunity. Believe in self equals believe in possibilities. I'm going to say that one more time. Believe in self equals believe in possibilities. If you believe in yourself, you'll believe what's possible. Once again, it goes back to the paradigm and everything I've, I've been talking about on this episode. You got to believe in yourself. But this also goes back to my performance Pentagon. Believing in yourself comes from your competency. If you have high competency, you're going to believe in yourself. When your competency, once again, comes from your confidence, which is similarly tied to believing in yourself. But your confidence comes from your courage, the ability to take risks. But your courage and your risk-taking comes from your cognition, your knowledge, your intelligence, your insights, your wisdom, learning from others. But it also starts with your consciousness being aware of things. 
But yes, believe in yourself. Believe it's possible. But this also goes back to the number two reason why most people don't achieve their dreams and goals. Is impatience. See, a lot of people don't believe in themselves because they're impatient. It's not necessarily that you don't believe that you won't achieve it. It's just that you won't believe that you achieve it when you want to achieve it. That's the biggest problem. Is patience. Like I said, I'm guilty of this as well. I've gotten better over the years, especially since the pandemic. I've gotten better with patience. But patience is something that is very, very important. That's the reason it's number two. Number one, we, as we all know, is, is entitlement. That means you're, you're not even trying to do nothing. You just feel like you deserve it because you're born, because of who you are, because you're breathing. You feel like you deserve it. But impatience means that, yeah, you're willing to put in the work, or you may be putting in, willing to put in some work, but you expect it to happen at a certain deadline. But here's a news flash for you. We don't control the world. We don't control the universe. We don't control when things happen. Whether you believe in God, a spiritual power, the Big Bang, whatever religious beliefs that you have. We don't control the world. The only thing we can control is our results and our intention. And we try to make something happen. Now, if it happened when we wanted it to happen, then that's when it was supposed to happen. If we make an attempt and it don't happen when we want it to happen, then hey, we need to make an adjustment. Or the time is just not now. It's just like anything. And like I said, not to get biblical, but seed time of harvest. Any seed that you have, you have to have a time period in order for that harvest to reproduce. Just like I talked about with the bamboo tree. The Chinese bamboo tree can can grow a hundred feet tall. But for the first four years, it doesn't grow that much, especially the first three. Especially the first three. Especially the first three years, there's really no growth. So you still got to continue to water and do everything, but it don't really grow for the first three years. By the fourth year, it grows, you know, 20% or 20 feet. And then the other 80% is, is in year five. But it takes five years for the Chinese bamboo tree to grow 100 feet tall. That's its full potential. So, yes, we need to have patience. But, which ties lying right into this is that most people believe in their past and they do their future. Why? Because they have contextual reference. They have reference points. They've seen it happen. It's easier for them to go back than for them to go forward. And the reason for that is, is because when you don't have vision and when you don't have insight, and you don't have a high level of cognition, it's hard for you to have blind faith that the future is going to be better than the past. This is another reason why a lot of times a lot of us reminisce and be like, oh, the good old days. It's because it already happened. 
you believe in the past because you lived it. You can see it. You, you have those memories. You don't know what the future is going to hold. There's too many unknowns. So instead of being optimistic about the future, you you pessimistic about the future, but you're optimistic about the past because you've already lived it. And there's social proof, and you have contextual reference for that. But I will say this. Yes, believing in the future is great, but this is what I recommend. Learn from the past. Live in the present. And prepare for longevity in the future. That's my recommendation. But more important than anything, you gotta you gotta have more belief in the current or even in the future. You gotta have a high identity or a high motivation in the future that can pull from the future to the current so that you can accelerate to your future. So your future self need to motivate you so that you can make your future self, your current self. And here's a disclaimer for you. You know, sometimes I do struggle. But what keeps me going is these podcast episodes. Because sometimes... In the future, when I listen back to these podcast episodes, sometimes my past is propelling me towards my future. Because like I said, some days are rough, just like everybody else. But when I listen back to these podcast episodes, they motivate me and say, Joe, you know what? Okay, let's do this. Let's do this now in the present. So that we can have a better future for tomorrow. So those are my final words. Believe in yourself. And if anything else. Believe in your future. More than you believe. In your past. Thank you for listening to the Paradise and Perspectives podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time out to listen to this podcast. We really hope that you got some value out of this podcast and that this podcast will assist with you changing your paradigm and changing your perspective so that you can live the life that you was meant to live. And we look forward to seeing you in another podcast episode. Thank you and have a good day.